What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses are helping me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's getting so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, or speak to merchants. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com SPP. That's right. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest, I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that stimulate you on your commute. No, that's, that's not how this goes. I wonder if you are commuting these days. How many of you are actually going into an office? It's a bizarre world we live in. And speaking of going to an office, I really think you're going to like this episode because we talk all about going to the office. What I mean is, look, I know I'm not the only one with this experience. How many of you have gotten to a point in a job or a career where you get, you pull up to the office and you think, all right, time to like bury what it is to be me. Right. And then put on this fake face that is professional me. And I hope that nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes, right? Today, we're talking with Christine Comaford, and we're talking to her about leadership, but really we're talking about leading the whole person. We get deep into what can leaders do to bring out the best in people, but also as individuals, as frontline employees or new employees, what can we do to be more of our authentic self at work, to maximize our potential, to lead from a place of opportunity instead of fear. I really think it's a conversation that regardless of where you are in your career can serve you and can most importantly change your mindset. So many of us have these mindsets we bring to the professional environment, and I hope this conversation might jar you out of that a little bit so we can all create a more authentic, enjoyable, creative world. So a little bit of background on Christine. Uh, For over 30 years, 
She has been a leadership and culture coach. She's an entrepreneur. She's a New York Times bestselling author. Her newest book is called Power Your Tribe, Create Resilient Teams in Turbulent Times. Uh, do you think we're in a turbulent time? I mean, are you trying to build resilience on your teams? Because I'm pretty sure we all are. Before we get into the interview, look, let's say you're a leader and you wish you could have asked Christine a question. All you have to do is be a Patreon supporter and you get direct contact to all of our guests. Essentially, when we book them, I send out a message to our Patreon supporters saying, hey, we're going to have this guest. Do you have any questions? And then if you do, I ask it. It's that simple. So go to patreon.com slash smart people podcast and you can support us for as little as two bucks a month. You get access to the guests, you get ad free episodes, and ultimately you support us. And that should be enough. Um, also, while we're at it, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our most recent Patreon supporters. Uh, first, Amanda, thank you so much. Uh, Titled Plus, I think that's a company, but hey, we'll take it. Thanks, Titled Plus. And also a buddy of mine, Phil. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right. We're going to get into this interview. I want to mention there are some great tools that Christine and her team have given us. Uh, there is a free mini course on emotional resilience. You can find a link to that at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Or you can find all of Christine's things at her website, which is smarttribesinstitute.com. Let's finally get to it already. Our interview with Christine Comerford as we talk about many things and primarily how to build resilient teams. Enjoy. Well, Christine, thanks so much for being on the show. Also, you know, it's great to have you on now with all that's going on in the world. It is crazy times. And I have to imagine it's also a good time for you to have your knowledge set to be able to deal with this and to help others. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your area of expertise is in a couple of different places, primarily things like emotional intelligence, emotional resilience, also leadership and how that all plays a role. I'm interested to just start with how did you get into this work? What drew you to this? Yeah, I've always been fascinated by why people do what they do. And when I was 15 years old, I was looking around going, well, hmm, I'm in this, you know, fancy suburb uh, of Los Angeles. People have money. They don't seem happy, you know, and I was looking around going, this is stupid. I don't get it. Like, why do people do what they do and how do people get happy? And so I launched myself on this quest and I've been on it ever since now in my late 50s. And it's it's what is it that that causes people to do or not do certain things? Why do people not do what they do want and do do what they don't want? Um, how can we help people really stand in their energetic weight and know themselves enough to feel fulfilled and to um, kind of help them create their personal best, et cetera? And, you know, neuroscience and neurolinguistics really help us with that. And looking at the whole human because leaders, you know, it's, it's time for us to get past this, you know, people are robots because they're not, or it's shameful to have emotions at work, which is ridiculous, since 90 to 93% of all of our behaviors are driven, are dominated by our emotional brain. So the intellect is in charge of 7 to 10% of what we do. You know? So um, it's time. 
And we're seeing that. We're seeing that in some of the problems in the world, that we haven't been honoring the whole human. Do you find that people feel they need to be different people at work than they are at home? You know, that's a great question. What does professional mean, right? Um, I think we have to look at a new definition of professionalism because what I'm finding is the more human leaders are, the more emotionally engaged their culture is, right? If a leader can say, wow, I don't know, let's figure it out together, or I messed up, I'm sorry, here's how I'm going to change it, and here's how I'm going to prevent it from happening again. You know, the more we can show our humanity and get off of our high horse, the more people can actually go, oh, wow, I get to be human too now, because the leader is being human. Yeah, it's essential. Where do you think this idea came from? Because for me, like, I don't have that switch. I can't be somebody different in the professional environment, even when I try to be. And so it's it's so hard and so foreign to me that I always felt like I was the one that was wrong. You know, I couldn't be on top of it or buttoned up enough or uh, professional enough. Yeah. And it feels yeah. counterintuitive. You know, we say be authentic, but then... I would get all twisted with that. So so from your perspective, what do you think it is that causes us to feel we have to, when we walk into those office doors, we have to button up and, and be this different version of ourselves instead of just be who we are, which is yeah. what we have to offer? Yeah, I find it came from the Industrial Revolution when command and control became the management, a word I hate, the management style. If you look at, so I like etymology, which I think is really interesting, the origin of words, right? So manager came from managing animals, herding cattle, okay? <laughs> Yuck, right? Um, uh, being, you know, being behind them and pushing them forward. Oh, that's so such a yucky image. But boss is even worse. Boss came from the slave trade. Lovely, okay? Moving humans around. Yuck, Okay and buying and selling them. Um, leader comes from basically going out in front of people with a machete, going through the scary jungle, cutting a path, and then coming back and saying, hey, everybody, you know, come on this way. It's safe, you know, leading from in front, you know, where we're actually taking the risks, you know. Oh, oh, yeah. And I love the neuroscience of it. And I want to get into that. But First, I want to ask you, why does it matter that our leaders are skilled at dealing with the whole person, leading the whole person? You know, the reality of what it is to be human today. Well, we're all sensory beings. So all day long, we are seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, tasting. Okay, so if we just deal with visual, auditory and kinesthetic, seeing stuff, hearing stuff, feeling stuff. So what happens is we see something, an email, right, or we hear something and then the V, the visual plus the auditory cue, whatever we hear, then generates the feeling. We feel scared. We feel powerful. We feel peaceful, whatever that then causes us to make some meaning. Oh, that was a good announcement. Oh, that was a bad announcement. Based on the meaning that we make, that we that we decided based on the sensory input we received, we saw our leader with a furrowed brow. <gasps> we now feel scared. We make the meaning of she's disappointed with me. We then um, 
It affects our identity. Oh my gosh, I disappointed her again. I'm not good enough. So what's our capability going to be? We're going to play small. We're not going to take risks and our performance is going to be mediocre. So we have to realize that sensory information is flooding the systems of our people all day long and they are meaning making machines. And often the meaning that we make is wrong. Maybe your your leader just has a stomach ache. That's why they have a furrowed brow. Maybe their kid just got in trouble, you know, at school, whatever. And so I want us to start to notice that Shakespeare nailed it when he said hundreds of years ago, nothing is either good or bad, only thinking makes it so. So let's start to notice the meaning that we make, how it makes us feel, and if that's the experience that we want to truly have. The stories that we tell ourselves craft our identity, our behavior, our performance, our happiness. Let's start deciding what we want our experience to be. Because like right now, with all the protests, you can be really sad, you can be really angry, or you can say, huh, how can I be of greatest service right now in what's happening? How can I be what Gandhi said, be the change that I want to see in the world? That then puts us into our prefrontal cortex, out of our amygdala, out of the fight, flight, freeze, into collaboration, communication, problem solving, possibility. But our leaders have to show us that because if our leaders are teaching us, and we have some leaders right now who are teaching people to be scared or angry, right? Then we're just keeping people in amygdala hijack, you know, and in fight, flight, freeze, there's lots of problems, you know, working memory shrinks, et cetera. I can go into all sorts of problems. Yeah, you, you brought up such a great visual for me. And before we talk about what leaders can do, let's talk about what individuals can do. Because I think so many people can identify with this, where we overanalyze everything. You know, we all talk about this. We, we play out conversations in our mind. We imagine other people's responses and how they feel about us. And we're always essentially living in the future, which is the definition of anxiety. Yeah. So I want to talk about what can we do when that's our mindset. And maybe it's even right now. Think about it. We're working remotely. We don't have those in-person cues. We're not getting the, the drop buys and the data boys and great jobs and kudos. So essentially, what can we do to make sure we're really thinking about how can I be better for my boss, for my leader, for my team, for my people, as opposed to, and I know I do this sometimes just thinking, what do they want me to do? Or really just how do I please others? <sighs> okay, that's a big one. Um, first of all, the ego is in charge. Of, if you're ever trying to control things or if you're ever trying to relentlessly seek validation, <laughs> which is what you were talking about a second ago, right? That means the ego is in charge. And the problem with letting the ego be in charge instead of, if you will, the higher self is that uh, the ego isn't qualified. It's like taking uh, the most junior person in the organization who like maybe just got out of school and has no work experience and making them the CEO. Okay, so as we start to understand the tricks of the ego, relentlessly trying to control stuff, seek validation, etc., then we can start to say, okay, wait a second. The ego is what tells us the scary stories. The ego is in charge of fight, flight, freeze. And if we can start to catch that, then we can start to say, wait a second, what would I like? 
you know, a lot of our tools are taking people from the problem focus to the outcome focus, from victim, rescuer, persecutor to outcome creator, insight creator, action creator. So if we're constantly looking at how we can please somebody, um, we're not being authentic. We're not saying, wait a second. Um, I want to do a good job. Are we trying to please somebody and kiss up or are we actually just trying to do a good job? If we're trying to do a good job, great, that's honorable. But let's first look at the intention. And if the intention is to do a good job, great. Ask your boss, you know, hey, or I shouldn't even say boss, right? <laughs> ask your leader after I just said that. Ask your leader, hey, um, what's working? Use the feedback frame. That's one of our best tools. Hey, leader, in your experience with me, what's working? What's working for you? Thank you. Great. And now, what would you like to see more of? We're all taught this feedback sandwich. You know, um, this is good, but this isn't so good. But this is good because I'm so uncomfortable giving you feedback. And the brain is like, am I good? Am I not good? I don't get it. So if we need to keep seeking validation, it means we're not getting enough feedback. Use the feedback frame. And I'll put the, um, I'll give you guys the infographic so everybody can understand how to use it. What's working is, what would I like to see more of? You know, let's take a quick break for this week's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. I got my first cell phone with one of the big wireless providers mm, 20, 25 years ago. And I've honestly hated my monthly bill ever since. But then I discovered there's another option that could give me the premium service I'm used to at a fraction of the cost. I could cut my wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month and save hundreds of dollars by switching to Mint Mobile. For anyone out there who's looking to save without sacrificing service, switching to Mint Mobile is a no-brainer. For customers that hate their wireless bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile can pass significant savings on to you. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text plus crazy fast 4G LTE. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile today and get premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/smart. That's mintmobile.com/ smart. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash smart. And now back to the episode. Oh, that's awesome. We will uh, link to that on your episode yeah. page at smartpeoplepodcast.com just to let the listeners know. So I want to pull on this thread a little bit more, this idea of bringing our whole selves to work. Because, you know, I know so many people, most of us, I think, in fact, have this point in our life where we get to the office door and we kind of swallow what it is to be us, yeah. right? And we turn on professional mode. And I want to ask you, is there any benefit to this? You know, we could say, look, this is what you're paid to do. You have to separate your family life and your existing issues, if you will, from the job you're there to do. Okay. It depends what's happening in your personal life. Okay. Um, I'm going to put a, 
uh, infographic up on on your I'll give it for you to you for the show page. Um, it depends how big the personal hardship is. So, for instance, when my stepson died out of the blue, totally healthy kid alive one day, the next morning dead. That was a huge epic shock. I made sure to tell the key people in my life and work, and I said, I am not going to be my full self for a while. Part of me is deeply grieving. And let's pay attention to what's happening right now in the world. A lot of people are deeply grieving around the pandemic, around the riots, etc. So this is where I want to make sure that we, when we deal with the whole human and we honor the whole human, we look at them and we create a space where it's actually safe. The vast majority of our clients, before a meeting starts, whether it's two people or 20 people, they use one of the two following tools. Personal professional check-in, which is about one minute per person. Hey, what's happening personally? Well, this just happened, and wow, it's really intense. So everybody, I need some extra compassion for the next few months because I'm dealing with the death of my stepson, and it's freaking huge, and I don't I don't know how to deal with it, and I'm doing my best, okay? And then so we check in personally. We check in professionally. We go around the table. Great. Now we know where everybody is. Okay, cool. We can give people extra compassion. We can make sure people are on the right projects, et cetera. Second, what you could use instead, and I'll put this up on the show page, is the emotion wheel. And it just shows a, a vast uh, selection of human emotions. And we just say, hey, how's everybody feeling? Well, I'm feeling uh, frustrated. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. I'm feeling some um, depression and some sorrow. Um, I'm feeling really excited today. If we go around the room and each person, it's safe for them to say how they're feeling, then we can understand. Because if the majority of the room is saying, I'm feeling overwhelmed, we can then use what we call the meta model uh, in neurolinguistics. And that's where we say, how specifically? What specifically is overwhelming? We don't just go, yeah, I'm overwhelmed too, as if we know what overwhelm feels like to that one person. So humanity is saying, how are you? And not saying fine, okay? How are you feeling today? So one of our clients, Walmart, huge company, in one of their divisions, 200 people, they start every meeting with the emotion wheel. It has totally changed the vibe in their meetings. It has totally changed the connection between the people because it's okay to say, I'm, um, I'm angry today. Wow. Okay. So I have two thoughts from that. The first thought is there has to be a lot of steps before you just go and add something like that as a leader, because trust has to be there. I mean, if I'm in an environment and my boss goes, all right, Let's go around. Let's talk about how you feel and what you're working on. It's going to be really hard for me to say, you know what? I'm stressed out. I'm probably not delivering on my work. Here's what's going on with me. And to kind of talk about my problems because you're opening yourself up to some professional judgment. Just a sec, Chris, just a sec. So if somebody says that, that's an excellent example. If somebody says that, then the leader says, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience. How can we help you? Well, I need extra resources here. I got to change my deadline there, you guys. I just can't do it. I mean, that's where the leader honors the whole human and says, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for helping us understand what it's like to be you. You know, let's now talk about how we can support you. Those are some great tools because they're very action oriented. Like you can take those and just say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to foster this with my team. And it's going to have this ripple effect of 
transparency and speed in everything else that we do because people feel like they can be more authentic at work. Yeah. But now what I'm curious about is when leaders come to you, what is their specific request? Because I'm sure they don't come to you and say, look, you know, we need to talk more about our feelings in meetings and things like that. They don't. (laughs) I'm sure it's more results oriented. So tell me how that goes for you. How are you able to explain that this is the process necessary to get them those results that they want? Oh, good. Okay. So we're pretty geeky about metrics. (laughs) And I think you have to be, right? Otherwise, it's like, oh, yeah, thanks, Christine. Lots of kumbaya. Mm, I don't think so. You know, they come to us wanting growth, top line growth, bottom line growth, operational efficiency, or they want emotional engagement in fewer cases, because all that growth stuff ultimately comes down to helping your people be more emotionally engaged, helping your organization be more operationally efficient. You know, so we do some business strategy for sure. But beneath it all, who's doing the work? Humans, right? So there's always a big human component, but they come to us for ROI. You know, we want 22% more profitability per employee. You know, we want, you know, whatever, more on our top line, more on our bottom line, et cetera. So they come to us um, and we, we ask them, very directly. Okay, let's figure out what success metrics you want. Now, now and then we'll have somebody come to us and say, well, you know, I really need for you to fix my people. You know, they're not accountable, blah, blah, blah. And that's when I usually do high school breakup, which is, um, oh, it's not me. It's not you. It's me. You know, oh, well, we're, we're probably not the right people for you. You know, because I mean, seriously, if somebody won't look in the mirror and realize that if they have problems in their accountability, that it's a problem in leadership, because there's no such thing, Chris, as a sales problem, a manufacturing problem, a marketing problem, an engineering problem. There's only one type of problem ever, and that's a leadership problem. Or you could say a leadership opportunity. To reframe it, right? Get all Shakespearean, right? (laughs) Yeah, reality is what you say it is. What reality would you like? What reality is going to move the ball forward? Okay, so that makes sense. So they come to you and they say, we know we need these top line results. And the way we get these results is through our people. So in order for our people to be more effective, and this is essentially what your business case is, They need to be more of themselves. They need to be what we hired them for. They need to be fully engaged. Is that fair? Yeah. You need the whole person showing up. You need the whole person showing up. Yay. Back to what you said earlier. You need the whole person showing up. Let's make it safe for that whole person to show up. That's how we get freaking devotion to a given company or cause, because we're letting that whole beautiful, amazing human show up. Absolutely. Tell me the role of fear in this process, because it's always fascinated me. You know, maybe we are fearing for keeping our job or pleasing the boss or whatever that fear is. How does it impact us? Because I know it makes us really act irrationally in an environment where we shouldn't be fearful. Yeah. Um, And there's been a lot lately with, you know, perpetual layoffs and unemployment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Here's the thing. Um, Once we have food, water, shelter, warmth, and Wi-Fi, um, (laughs) then and only then do we crave the experiences, the emotional experience of safety, belonging, mattering. 
And right now people need safety, right? When you're going through, like who cares how much mattering you get right now when you feel terrified, right? So if we can get really present to what's going on with our workforce, which is why we do employee engagement surveys all the time, 10 quick questions, you can then find out, are they feeling safe? Are they feeling like they don't belong? Are they feeling like they don't matter? Because if we can get those three pillars, if you will, those three pieces, safety, belonging, mattering, working, then we will have a lovely, amazing, emotionally engaged culture where everybody gets to be human and everything works great. So when there's a bunch of fear, it's the leader's job to help people feel safe. Well, but Christine, how do you help people feel safe when the next wave wave of layoffs is coming? I get it. This is when we tell the truth, you know. Um, I don't know. Here's what we know and what we can navigate around here. There's a bunch of stuff we don't know. We don't know when the pandemic is going to, you know, end or at least slow down. We don't know when all these riots are going to are going to um, calm down. We, d- we don't know a lot. But here's what we know today. So today, instead of living in a fearful future or dwelling on a scary past, today, let's go here. So it's very much teaching people to be super duper present. Because there isn't fear at this exact second right now if you are totally present to where you are. If you work on the word together, which is an awesome word, which Harvard did some research on several years ago, and together brings us huge, huge gobs of safety. We're safe. We're together. Belonging. We're together. We're a team. We're a tribe. And mattering. I'm here because you guys want me here. We're together. So really using the word together a lot, helping everybody with very frequent communication as to how to navigate through this stuff, saying what we know and what we don't know. And then when we do have to let people go, letting them go with tremendous respect and dignity. And some of our clients, as people are leaving, they're handing them a reference letter. You know, as people are leaving, they're saying, you know, if I look at my experience with you, here's what worked, you know, and, you know, and here's what I would have liked to see more of, you know, so we give them a feedback frame on the way out the door, we give them a reference letter or a handwritten card. Here's what's awesome about you. Thank you for what you brought to our company. And we're removing this role. It doesn't exist anymore. And we haven't been able to find another role for you, you know, etc. But there's a way And our clients are doing tons and tons of, you know, everybody's doing tons and tons of layoffs and or determinations, downsizing, et cetera. And there's a way to do it really respectfully when we honor the whole human being. And if we've done a good job building that relationship, right, then it makes all those so much easier. We've got we've got clients where the the teams are coming to the leaders saying you really should cut all of our pay. We have talked about it and we want you to cut our pay by 20 percent. (laughs) <laughs> we've got we've got clients where the government shut down on one of our clients you know the government shutdown was was a problem a while back all the employees came together and they said we're throwing all of our vacation money in a bucket all of our vacation and all of our accrued vacation please don't lay off um, our folks that you know that that are subject to the government shutdown let's find them internal roles and they'll be paid for by all of our vacation they give up all their vacation for the year. That's employee engagement. Yeah. Well, and you use that word tribe. And for those that don't know, it's really part of your brand. I mean, you have the Smart Tribes Institute. It's in your book title. So why that term? You know, why did you choose that? Yeah. And then how does it impact the work you do when you're working 
with leaders. Yeah, tribes are, well, you know, when people say tribal, you know, tribes are <clears throat> emotional. Tribes are something that somebody really identifies with. Tribes are where everybody is bringing their gifts and, you know, there are the hunters and then there are the gatherers, you know, et cetera. So tribes are, are where we know that we fit in. We are safe. We belong. We matter because we're in this together. We find the term tribe is similar to the term team. You know, um, we don't find the term family. Oh, we're one big family here is all is nearly as effective in the workplace because everybody has like a weird uncle, you know, that everyone just has to like tolerate. You know, <laughs> you can't kick them out because they're in the family, even if they're not pulling their weight. But, you know, business is about at the end of the day about performance. You know, we all do have to show up and, and pull our weight. So tribe, team, whatever. So for me, I just find that it really resonates with people and um, kind of deeply and emotionally, and it brings them safety, belonging, mattering. And now a quick word for this week's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by Ritual. We all want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run. But even if we try really hard to eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, we're still most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Enter Ritual the obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough of from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. Luckily, it comes easy. Two easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. And I know what you're thinking. Wait a second, John. You're not a woman. What would you know? Well, don't listen to me. Listen to my wife, Amanda. She's been taking them for a couple weeks now. Go ahead. Take it away. Thanks, John. Now, I'm not one to normally take vitamins, but these make me feel like I'm doing something good for my body. They're super easy to take each day and taste like you're eating a mint leaf. No other weird vitamin taste. I also like that you can take them with or without food, which is great for me, especially during this pandemic, because my breakfast time has gotten all messed up. So I can just take them quick and easy in the morning and then worry about breakfast a little bit later. Amanda loves Ritual, and you will too. Ritual Essential for Women is the multivitamin reimagined. From D3 to Omega-3, Ritual's Essential for Women helps fill gaps in a woman's diet. Ritual is traceable and transparent. For all you obsessive label readers, all of Ritual's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients and their sources are out there for the whole world to see. So listen up. Better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Just head over to ritual.com smart to start your ritual today. That's 10% off your first three months at ritual.com slash smart. And now back to the episode. But what I find really interesting, and it took me a long time to consider this, actually, I think it was a former guest that mentioned this is, you know, I always said, well, I want to have a big impact on people. I want to help people very directly. Yeah. And finally, somebody just said, you know, a corporation is just a group of people. The people. <laughs> so, so it's kind of just a workaround for impacting a large audience. 
Yes. And then you have that, you have that tribal nature, and then you can have things like our client, you know, Amazon has. And I mean, Amazon's got their challenges, but anybody who's growing that fast is, duh, right, going to have challenges. But um, Amazon has their challenges, but they also have disagree and commit. You know, I disagree with how you want to do this, but I commit to support you because you own that area. You know? So, you know, it's really important for us to to let people have their power, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I like the way you phrase that. So what's the number one way as a leader we can help people not only use their power, but find what it is in the first place and put it to use on our teams? I, I've got to say it, Chris. It's it's helping our people become emotionally resilient, helping our people have more behavioral choice, helping them realize what they're resisting and giving them tools to move beyond it, right? If we're resisting and we're like, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this, we, we teach our leaders to use a tool called maneuvers of consciousness, which will take you a whopping 12 minutes. Yes, I'm going to put that on the uh, website. Um, in a whopping 12 minutes, you'll be from rawr, 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 grr, grumble to, oh, yeah, I see the gift in this. I mean, come on, 12 minutes, right? Then, um, we help them create the outcome that they want with the outcome frame, another awesome tool, which I'll put on the, on the website. So our job is to help people, our privilege, because leader is a privilege, it's not an entitlement. And anybody who thinks it's an entitlement, they're stuck in command and control, industrial revolution thinking, not helpful. Um, so our privilege is to help our people step into more behavioral choice, right? So we help them focus, we help them make new meaning, we help them enroll and engage others, we help them build tribal agility. So they're sharing tools with everybody else, so everybody else is getting more behavioral choice and more powerful. Wait, wait, wait. I gotta, I gotta stop you there because I really love the way you phrase that. Now I've studied leadership, I've interviewed a lot of people about leadership and I always take different things away. What just struck me is we've been talking about whole person and I've been thinking of that in a certain frame, but what you're really saying is to be a leader, you have to figure out a way to help your people work through the things that are holding them back from their potential. I've just never really thought about it that way. I mean, yes, I've thought about maximizing potential, but what you're talking about is helping them remove sometimes the self-inflicted roadblocks that are minimizing their potential. But you just said it though. So what's beautiful about what you just said is what is step one, right? Of maximizing somebody's potential, right? It's looking at what has gotten in the way from them being in their full potential to date. Yeah. And since 90 Based on whose research you like, 90 to 93% of all of our decisions and behaviors are, two keywords, driven and dominated by our emotional brain. We have got to help our people have more behavioral choice. When you say behavioral choice, I meant to ask you this. What do you mean by that? Thank you for seeking out clarity. Um, behavioral choices, I feel really frustrated right now to... I'd rather see the possibilities. 
I feel stuck right now. I want to be in action. So behavioral choice is I can be angry. I can be tied up in knots, you know. Um, so thus, I don't take action. I stew. I don't collaborate. I drop out of communication. I would rather have the behavioral choice to reach out to people, ask them for help, tell them I don't understand something. You just made a great behavioral choice. Hey, Christine, I need some clarification on the term behavioral choice. Oh, so, so what you're saying is instead of just accepting that our thoughts drive our emotions, we essentially, we have the ability to choose. It's about not being reactive and being more kind of thoughtful. Choose your, thank you. Choose your response. Sorry, I'm geeking out with neuro terms where I should use English instead. Um, so if we help people choose how to feel better, right? they will have more on their behavioral menu as to, am I going to shut down? Oh, let me put it this way. Everybody has a behavioral menu. Let's look at one of the most stressful situations ever in the workforce, the performance review. We did some work with Yale a while ago, and they're like, oh, my gosh, they showed us their data. And I was like, whoa, doggies across the entire planet, number one stressor in the workforce, performance reviews. So what, what might be on somebody's menu? In a performance review, well, they might have very few choices. Behave with defensiveness, right? So we don't have a lot of choices necessarily when we're going into a performance review. They might feel scared. They might feel defensive. Um, they might feel curious, but it's not one of those situations where we wake up one morning and we can choose how we want to feel that day, you know, because how we feel is going to determine what behaviors we have. It's all driven by emotions. Well, 90 to 93% of it, which is good enough, okay? So um, as leaders, we can say, wow, right now in the world, people probably don't have a lot of behavioral choice because they are in fear. So they have fight, flight, or freeze, <laughs> and the variations of those, right? Let's help them get empowered by helping them use a tool like um, maneuvers of consciousness first just to clear the decks where they can do all that, you know, complaining about what's bad, getting curious about why it's bad and will it be bad in the future, getting curious about what their experience is, being kind of amazed as to what their experience is and then appreciating their experience. And then we use a tool called the outcome frame. Well, what would you, I know what you would not like. What would you like, Chris? Well, I'd like to be peaceful inside, regardless of what's happening outside. Good, good. What will having that do for you? Well, I'll feel empowered. I'll feel confident. I'll feel proud. I'll be a strong communicator. I'll be a great collaborator. I'll be able to help my team members. I'll help be able to move the ball forward. Beautiful. How will you know when you have that, Chris? Well, when our team is all showing up on time to the meetings and, and we're generating three new ideas for each team, when our meetings are whatever, 20 minutes shorter, when we have fewer meetings, whatever. Um, and then we'll, well, Chris, just a sec, to be peaceful inside, regardless of what's happening outside, what that you value might you risk or lose? What side effects may occur? Ah, shoot. You know what? I'm going to have to let go. I'm going to have to release being a victim. I'm going to have to release that negative self-talk or stop the negative self-talk and use the outcome frame or uh or maneuvers of consciousness. I'm going to have to ask um, for help. I'm going to have to possibly look 
a little vulnerable or a little more human by saying, gosh, you guys, I don't know how to cure this. Okay, good. Thank you. Good. When, where, with whom would you like this? Well, I'd like this at work. I'd like this with my direct team. And I'd like to have it by um, whatever next week. And then what are your next steps? So when we ask these six questions, it crafts, it, it creates what we call a desired state. And if the human who is currently in their unwanted present state, it's painful, it's scary, it's stressful here, and we, we take them through an outcome frame for at least 15 minutes, so their brain has plenty of opportunities to fire off visual, auditory, kinesthetic cues where they can actually walk into that glorious future and test drive it. So it goes from being a fantasy to being something they can actually feel and have sensory experiences of. Then we've anchored it in their physiology. Yay. And now they can go create it. Okay. Well, imagine I'm a leader though, and I'm listening to this. I'm thinking, you know, Christine, you want me to be a therapist and I signed up to be a boss, you know, and I realized that might not be the correct way of thinking, but it is the way a lot of quote unquote leaders think, right? I've been at this company for 10 years. I know my job, I've performed really well, therefore I am the boss and can explain to others how to do it. And I would say your job is to cultivate and elevate others. Your job is to cultivate and elevate others in whatever they have that's between them and getting the result that you want. It is your privilege to move that stuff out. This is not therapy. This is neuroscience. We are causing the brain to stop looking at the painful, bad, icky stuff and to start looking at where they have choice, empowerment, and the ability to move forward. We're taking, it's like we're. I love like that, by the way. And now a quick word from this week's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. Learning about various perspectives can help us make sense of the world as it changes every day. The Great Courses Plus streaming service is an excellent resource to expand our knowledge on a variety of subjects. You can gain valuable, reliable insights from some of the world's best teachers, and the Great Courses Plus help us better understand what's going on. If you've been a fan of Smart People Podcast for a while, you know that we love to learn, and that's why we absolutely love the Great Courses Plus. This is such a fantastic way to keep our minds active while staying close to home. With Great Courses Plus, you can stream to your TV and watch as a family. Or you can use the Great Courses Plus app to listen and learn while out in the garden or taking a walk around the neighborhood. If you're anything like my wife and I, you've probably been leaning on cooking as a way to keep busy and learn new things. And that's why we've been enjoying the course Cooking Across the Ages. Not only do you get to learn the origins of ingredients and different types of foods like phyllo dough, pasta, and many other food items we still enjoy today, but you also learn how to cook them. So if you enjoy cooking and learning, this is perfect for you. And as a Smart People podcast listener, we've got a special offer for you. There's so much more to learn about the world. Start by signing up for The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is offering our listeners a free trial of unlimited access to the entire library. To start your free trial, sign up today using our URL, thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smartpeople. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smartpeople. To learn something new, start your free trial today. One last time. 
That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart people. And now back to the episode. I love that, right? You just say that a leader's job is to clear the path, to get people from where they are to where you know they can go. It almost removes the specificity of the company or the job from it. And instead, yeah. it just really puts an overarching theme around leadership that you could take to the floor of the manufacturing company, to the Silicon Valley startup, or the Fortune 500 financial yes. firm. Yes, yes, and yes. And I want to say one quick thing, which is when I'm not working with all of our awesome clients, um, I help people die. So for the past 22 years, I've been a hospice volunteer. So I help people navigate the death process, which needless to say, is fairly gnarly, you know. And what I have noticed is that when people are talking with me about, you know, their life ending with whatever, you know, um, terminal uh, health condition they have, um, they often will talk about their work. And I want us to start to realize that our legacy is not how many hospitals our, you know, our name is on, you know, or how much, how many kudos or awards and crap we've won. Um, our legacy is actually in the hearts of the people that we have interacted with. And our, as leaders, we are creating our, and parents, parents are, are, are pretty obvious, right? We're creating our legacy every day by cultivating and elevating our people. They are being of service to us in helping us increase our humanity. I have to tell you, there's a couple of things I love about that. One being, you know, I've, I've always had this, I don't want to call it an aversion to leadership. Of course not. I mean, I'm in leadership consulting. I believe in it. But in the back of my mind, I've had this maybe bias that aren't leaders at the end of the day trying to reach a financial outcome that simply benefits the firm. And as I think about it, I mean, I think this goes to your behavioral choice. I mean, you can believe that and you can justify it. It's pretty flat though. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can say, yes, that is an outcome and it's a beneficial outcome because we're making money. Everybody's getting paid. But then you went down the path where you said, think about leaders, you know, or leaders you've had. And I go back to, I can go through some of mine. I mean, the first two quote unquote bosses I had at the financial firm were some of the best people I know still in touch with them. I mean, my current boss, an amazing person. And so the impact that leaders can have is far greater on us as individuals, if we're on the team, than simply looking at it as a financial driver. And as we, as we, as we have the great good fortune to help cultivate and elevate people, give them more behavioral choice, help them respond how they would like to instead of react compulsively, right? Instead of quickly responding with, you know, anger or upset, give them, help them learn to just pause and go, hmm, how would I like to respond to this? Hmm. How am I feeling? Hmm. You know, as we do that, we help create them as more resilient and that ripples to their family and their friends and everybody they interact with. And it's this big, wonderful ripple effect of, of this is, this is what empowerment is 
You know, it's not like the company song, you know, or the company values, you know, or the mouse pad you get with your strengths, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, there was something you said there. You mentioned a hospice. Have you ever heard of the Zen Hospice Project? Yeah, in San Francisco. Yeah. We interviewed a guy named Frank Ostaseski. I don't remember if he was president or founder. I don't remember his title, but still to this day, one of the most impactful interviews I've ever had. It's one of the, those ones that I carry around with me. And I just think about some of the things he told us, which is when you're around enough people at the end, you can kind of pull out these commonalities and you know what it is that drives many humans. And we can make decisions based off that to some degree. Yeah. And like, what are we doing in a business? Like, are we creating something great? Are we, are we empowering the world, right? Like, like computers did, like the internet did, or are we removing pain? Because I look at every business and it's either empowering people or it's removing pain and both are totally worthy endeavors. Yeah. And that's a good way of looking at it. I want to ask you, and I know we only have a couple minutes left here, but I want to get really practical for the remaining time. So let's go through a common scenario. Let's say I'm a new leader, maybe newly appointed, or I'm at a new company. Um, I've got a team, small team, you know, maybe five to 10 people. And I hear this interview and I'm going, yeah, I agree. I, I want to help people. I don't necessarily have all the tools and I'm sure we can talk about those. But aside from that, like, where do I start? Where do I start maybe shifting this paradigm in my yeah, team, if good. it's never been there before, if we've never thought like this or talked yeah. like this. Um, we say, because if the leader, again, can be human, we say, wow, you know, I was listening to this podcast and it really made me think. And I realized that there is a way that we can all be more deeply connected, more aligned, more engaged. And you guys, each of you has a remarkable universe inside of you, or even just each of you has your own beautiful gifts. And I really want to cultivate those. I've realized as a leader, I have only really been utilizing a fraction of what's amazing about each of you. And let's go for it. So I'm going to be introducing a different tool every whatever, two weeks. And, you know, let's talk them through. Let's use the tools. Let's, it's, these have worked really well for a thousand other companies, all different sizes from small to, you know, fortune five. And let's check them out. Let's see what we think. What do you guys think? You know, involving your people, like when all the protests happen, we have a foundation where we give 5% of our gross revenue into our foundation. So when it happened, when, this, when this, all this racial stuff started happening, I sent out an email to our team and I said, where do we, I want to give some money from our foundation because everybody gets to give, you know, say that they want to give money. I want to give some money to, to our found, from our foundation. Here are some places um, that I want to give it. Everybody vote and, you know, let's just pick, you know. Let's pick and let's just see which one that we want to give to. Um, when the pandemic started, um, let's give some money to the food banks. So we gave money to the food bank in each person because our team has always been distributed. Um, the primary food bank in each location where each of our team members lives, you know, and everybody was part of that. You know, we're all part of this. We're all making decisions together. We're appropriate, of course. Yeah, I really like the talk track there. Leaders need to. You know, if you're listening, use that. So 
let's then talk about the tools. You have Smart Tribes Institute, which has some incredible tools. So let's talk to that leader who's saying, great, I want to make this change that Christine's talking about. I need the tools. Where do I go? What do I do? Just give us the step-by-step. Yeah. Okay. Um, so first, um, I'm going to put, um, so the tribe is a smart tribe, right? Because uh, we're either in critter state, fight, flight, freeze, like a little animal, safe or not, dead or not, keeping our head down, or we're in our smart state, high collaboration, high emotional engagement, et cetera. So first we say, you know what? I actually want a smart tribe. I want to help my people show up in that beautiful way. So um what I recommend that we do is everybody goes to smarttribesinstitute.com slash emotion. That will put you on a mini course for emotional resilience. You will love the tools. Every, uh, I can't remember if it's week or every other week, you'll get an infographic and a short paragraph so you can have a lunch and learn with your people, teach them this tool, see how they feel about it, test it out, see how it works for you. You can totally do this yourself. You don't need our help. But I want everybody to be empowered to create as much emotional resilience as they can in their team. We will put some infographics, a few of the infographics up on the show page. But it's really helpful with the way that we laid them out. You start with what emotional resilience is. That's helpful to explain to your team. And people will go, oh, yeah, I see that. Oh, that makes sense. I get it. I get it. Then each, time, each week or two weeks, I don't remember, you'll get a tool that you guys can have a discussion about. You know, everybody grabs their sandwich, everybody's on Zoom together, and we're walking through the tools. Great. You're just giving stuff away. Yeah. Um, and you also, you've got some books out there. So I believe the newest one is Power Your Tribe. Is that correct? Yes. Create Resilient Teams in Turbulent Times, which is where we are. <laughs> which is right now, baby. Yeah, I'd say that's that's perfect timing. I mean, and if I look at that, it looks like you actually wrote that in 18. 2018. Yeah, I'm usually two years early. <laughs> well, Christine, I have to say, I, I love it. I love the authenticity you bring to it, the enthusiasm. I mean, you've definitely even helped me reframe some of the thoughts I've had around leadership as I continue to grow in this journey and understanding it. So I really appreciate that. We will link to your tools. We will we'll have some great infographics that you've provided us, and everyone can find those at smartpeoplepodcast.com. And additionally, could you actually give the link to your site one more time where we can get uh, more of these tools? Sure. Smarttribesinstitute.com. Fantastic. Well, again, Christine, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. That was Christine Comaford. I hope you enjoyed the interview. And as a reminder, her latest book, Power Your Tribe, Create Resilient Teams in Turbulent Times, can be found wherever books are sold. All right, let's head into the quick housekeeping here. If you want to support Smart People Podcast, please leave a rating or review wherever you download your podcasts. And if you're feeling generous and you want to support us monetarily, you can always head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. And if you'd ever like to reach out to the show, you can email Chris and I at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. And of course, if you want to stay up to date all things Smart People Podcast, head over to the website smartpeoplepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. 
All right, that's it for us this week. We hope that you're staying sane, staying healthy, and staying safe during this crazy, crazy time. But know that we'll keep putting out episodes for you. You just got to stay tuned, and we'll see you all next episode.